Hello and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's October 9th, 2020. Here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Apple and Samsung shift manufacturing to India, encouraged by a $6.6 billion incentive scheme. Two, Google's $1 billion program will pay news publishers directly. And three, social media tries to encourage more civil conversations. Shift one, Apple and Samsung shift manufacturing to India, encouraged by a $6.6 billion incentive scheme. Earlier this week, the Indian Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology approved 16 mobile phone manufacturers for its $6.6 billion incentive scheme to build manufacturing capability in India. The incentives, originally announced in June 2020, is the Production-Linked Incentive Scheme for Large-Scale Electronics Manufacturing, or PLI, offers manufacturers 4-6% of incremental sales of products manufactured in India over five years, compared to the base year of FY19-20. Approved companies include Samsung, the three contract manufacturers who assemble Apple's iPhone, Foxconn, Pegatron, and Wishtron, and Foxconn affiliate Rising Star, at one point the largest contract manufacturer in India. Apple and Samsung together represent 60% of global mobile phone sales, with Apple accounting for 38% and Samsung for 22%. Also approved by the Indian ministry were five domestic mobile phone players, for example, Micromax and Lava, and six components manufacturers. The Indian government expects the approved applicants to drive a collective $143 billion in production and over 200,000 direct jobs, and nearly three times that in indirect employment, over five years. 60% of the production is expected to be exported, supporting India's ambition to become an export hub. India has been working to transform itself into a globally competitive manufacturing powerhouse for both domestic and exported goods. These incentives directly support India's stated goals of manufacturing $133 billion in smartphones and related components by 2025. India passed the U.S. in 2019 to become the second largest and one of the fastest-growing smartphone markets in the world, with over 500 million smartphone users and 158 million smartphones shipped. It continues to track towards Prime Minister Narendra Modi's vision of, quote, a self-reliant India, end quote though Chinese vendors still command nearly 80% of India's smartphone market. For the three contract manufacturers making Apple iPhones, this continues a shift that began a few years ago. As China's labor costs have grown, India has become more attractive for its booming domestic electronics market and combination of low wages, improving infrastructure, and reasonably stable political environment. Wistron began producing older iPhone models in Bengaluru in 2017, the first time iPhones had ever been assembled in India, adding another plant nearby earlier this year. Foxconn, which followed Wistron in 2019, will begin producing the iPhone 11 at its Chennai plant this year, the first time current iPhone models have been produced in India. It is planning a $1 billion factory expansion. Pegatron, in turn, is in the process of establishing an Indian subsidiary. Samsung once led the Indian market in smartphone shipments, though it has since fallen to third place with 17% market share, behind Chinese firms Vivo and Xiaomi. Samsung has manufactured in India for over two decades, making up to 90% of the phones it sells within India in local factories. In 2018, it opened up what was reported to be the world's largest mobile phone factory in India, and then closed its last Chinese factory in October 2019. 
Samsung plans to transition some manufacturing from Vietnam, where it currently makes half of its phones, to India, submitting estimates to the Indian Ministry of $40 billion in production shifted over five years. Escalating global trade tensions are accelerating the diversification of global supply chains away from China. The risks of over-reliance on China have become more apparent over the past couple years. The market environment in China has become less attractive, with rising factory wages and taxes, local competitors, a less accommodating government, concerns about IP and long-term competitiveness, and of course trade wars and national bans. As global companies recognize the importance of not putting all their eggs in one basket, India is emerging as one of the winners. To read more content related to India and shifting global supply chains, check out our June 5th, 2020, Three Shifts edition. India, seeking self-reliance, lures electronics manufacturers with $6.6 billion in incentives. In our April 4th, 2020 brief, global supply chains diversify away from China. Shift 2. Google's $1 billion program will pay news publishers directly. Google recently announced it will invest $1 billion over three years to license content from partner publishers for its Google News Showcase product. The Google News Showcase, which just launched in Brazil and Germany, has panels that prominently feature partner publishers' brands and content. The showcase is expected to be rolled out across Google platforms, including Google News apps for Android and iOS, the Google Discover feed within the Google Search apps and Google.com mobile site, and Google Search. Partner publishers can curate and package their content using built-in features, such as timelines of events, key bullets, and related articles. Panels will also eventually include video, audio, and daily briefings. Google has signed deals with almost 200 publications in Germany and Brazil, as well as Argentina, Canada, the UK, and Australia, which are presumably on the list for upcoming rollout. Google also intends to add India, Belgium, and the Netherlands. The initiative builds on top of Google's news licensing program announced earlier this year, which involves Google paying publishers for high-quality content featured in its products and also paying for users to access select paywalled articles on publisher sites for free. There are also ties to the $300 million Google News Initiative, or GNI, announced in 2018 to support high-quality journalism in local news, which has spawned the Google News Lab, Digital News Innovation Fund, Digital Growth Program, and Journalism Emergency Relief Fund. Also under GNI is Subscribe with Google, which makes it easier for users to subscribe to partner publications and industry tools that help publishers maximize revenue. The announcement comes during a period of intense regulatory scrutiny around Google's use of publisher content. Australia, for instance, recently drafted regulation requiring Google and Facebook to negotiate with Australian publishers for their content. Australia was originally the third launch market for Google News Showcase, but was postponed due to regulatory uncertainty putting a pause on partnerships with five local publishers. A French court this week also denied Google's appeal of an order requiring it to negotiate with publishers to use content snippets. Google is reportedly nearing a deal with an alliance of French publishers. Big tech firms used to rely on the volume of traffic they could drive to publishers for negotiating leverage. Lately, however, large publishers have gained power, backed by public criticism and regulatory scrutiny. This has been reinforced during the pandemic as news organizations have struggled and big tech firms have flourished. Google is not the only tech player moving towards direct payments. Facebook, as of late 2019, is also paying news publishers for inclusion in its products. News Corp, one of the biggest critics of big tech, has reportedly struck paid deals with Facebook and Apple News, in addition to partnerships with Amazon, Snapchat, Spotify, and Twitter. 
The coming end of third-party cookies, driven in part by browser players such as Google and Apple, is also helping large publishers gain advantage. One of the clearest effects of the end of third-party cookies is that the owners of large pools of first-party data, such as news publishers, will gain leverage and power. Large publishers have lately backed a proposed global privacy standard, which would let consumers broadcast do-not-sell-or-share-my-data preferences through their browser, making publishers' own first-party data even more valuable as a result. To read more content related to the relationship between big tech and news publishers, check out our September 4th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, Facebook Could Block News in Australia. In our November 9th, 2019 brief, Facebook News and the Current Wave of News Aggregators. Shift 3. Social media tries to encourage more civil conversations. With a U.S. presidential election looming and a year defined by a pandemic and social unrest, a new urgency is developing among tech players wrangling with toxic behaviors on their platforms. Several different approaches stand out. 1. Behavioral nudges, or comment warnings, before posting. LinkedIn, after removing 20,000 pieces of content in the past six months, recently rolled out a system asking users to, quote, keep LinkedIn respectful and professional, end quote, when drafting a post, comment, or direct message. While most users will see the prompt once, linked to community standards, users with a pattern of inappropriate behavior will see a version every time they draft a new message. Facebook rolled out a similar system in 2019 on Instagram, letting users know when their post, quote, looks similar to others that have been reported, end quote. In September 2020, Facebook expanded the system to Instagram Live and the Facebook app on Android, with plans to roll it out further. Twitter began testing a feature in June 2020 that nudges users to read an article before they retweet it. Publishers such as Newsweek and AOL have also been using technology from OpenWeb to apply nudges in their comment sections. For example, quote, certain parts of your comment may include inappropriate language. Please revise to take part in the conversation, end quote. Social media firms expect nudges to address the people that are generally well-intentioned and could be influenced by a timely prompt to think twice, not the determined trolls. In an open web study of 500,000 comments and 50,000 users, the effectiveness of nudges was encouraging, though mixed. It found 12% of nudged users don't publish, and 34% will edit their comment. Second, targeting removals of organized activity. Conspiracy theory group QAnon which has grown in recent months, has been a focus area for social platforms seeking to limit organized misinformation. In July 2020, Twitter was the first major platform to target QAnon accounts, banning over 7,000 accounts, restricting another 150,000, and removing related content from search and recommendations. In August 2020, Facebook followed with the removal of over 790 groups, 100 pages, and over 300 hashtags related to QAnon, and restricting many more including over 10,000 Instagram accounts. It plans to take a proactive stance going forward on takedowns. LinkedIn recently disabled searches for QAnon hashtags and has banned frequent violators of its requirement that posts be quote-unquote professionally relevant. Facebook has also been removing accounts, groups, and pages by organized groups linked to nation-state actors such as Russia, over 200 accounts and 35 pages. It also changed its policy to crack down on militia groups and anarchist associations, taking down over 6,500 groups and pages from over 300 organizations. Twitter has also reported taking down over 130 accounts linked to Iran, which were attempting to disrupt conversation around the presidential debate. Third, crowdsourced content moderation. 
After a recent leak, Twitter acknowledged the development of Birdwatch, a tool that reportedly would enable at least some users to flag tweets for moderation and provide context around why they were flagged. These notes would be open to the public, helping educate users on why a tweet is harmful or misleading. Twitter has experience applying crowdsourced content moderation in its Periscope live streaming platform. And finally, fourth, controlled private communities. September 2020 saw the wider release of a quote-unquote kinder social network, Telepath, which embeds content moderation in its core and asks users up front to agree to ground rules. Telepath is invite-only, requires legal names and phone numbers, and puts limits on the size of its communities. Its aim is to keep discussion focused on well-defined interests, staying, quote, on topic in tone, end quote, and avoiding, quote, unquote, circling the drain in contentious debates. It remains to be seen how effectively the platform can scale and maintain its guardrails. To read more content related to social media and misinformation, check out our October 31st, 2019 brief, TikTok's rapid rise to 1.5 billion installs and the global reaction. And our October 15th, 2019 brief, the advance of deepfakes is spurring new countermeasures. That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on telemedicine and doctors on demand and talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts edition.